Yes, it's always that stuff's always just stored away, and it comes up every time that you're confronted by it again. Like, well, yeah, that's exactly how it works. Like I, I'm not thinking all the time about how much I dislike bubblegum flavored ice cream, and then as soon as I see somebody eating it, I murder them because I know that they're an alien. Like, that's not something I always have to have, like, in the queue. It's situational. Well, let me put it like this. The last couple of episodes that we watched had me sort of sold on this theory that there was a grand design, that there was a master plan at work behind the scenes. I was wondering how that would, would play out this time, yeah. And it's gone. We're being pretty vague so far. We That's a little preview for the, the disagreement or the, the sadness that we're, we're both going to have to, like, let go of, maybe let go of one of our big theories together. But because I said the word theory, I should also say the title of the show, which continues to regrettably be The Big Bang Theory Theory. And I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. And we watch a show to figure out why people like it and try to figure out what any of it all really means. Because it's surface level, it's just a dumb sitcom, but there's got to be something that sucks people in, right? Like, would, right. Any, would anyone really sit through ten years of like surface level Star Wars references? Star Trek references in this one. Star, yes. Star Trek in this one. This one goes oh, hard on the Star Trek. It's so pointless, the two. Like, I mean, you could get, you could play a drinking game for this episode and get blasted. It's real bad. It's like, real, real bad. Well, you know, we should just, we should just get right into okay. it. Okay. There's a physics ball competition, and all the nerds are on a team together. And just like in the last episode, everyone's like, Sheldon, you fucking suck, man. We're your friend for some reason, but you gotta go. And he's like, all right, I guess I will. And I'm going to start my own team. And then they go to the physics bowl. And the three nerds recruit Leslie Winkle because they wanted to tease me with her having like a substantive role in the episode. And then she doesn't. It doesn't matter because I love her anyway. And then they go to the physics bowl. And the, 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 the nerds and Leslie win against Sheldon and the three randos he brought along because he cannot accept any participation from his team. He answers all the questions. And the one thing he doesn't know uh, one of his other teammates is able to answer, and he refuses to allow that to be the official answer. And then the, the other nerds win the competition, and uh, Leonard gloats, and that's the that's the episode. Any yeah. any important details I'm leaving out before we get all silly with the nitty gritty? No, you nailed it. Okay, that was a great summary. Well, and following that summary is an excellent time, I believe, to reveal the name of the episode to well, see how angry it makes us. Let's see. Do you have any guesses? I'm trying to think of, like, what was the biggest or what is the joke? So the trick is you find the joke that the show thinks got the biggest laugh, and then that's always in the title. You know, I, I, it's, it's going to be something fucking pointless and random anyway. So I I'm, thought it might be something to do with either Alcoholics Anonymous or PMS. I'm going to call it the, the Doppler Wobble. Because why not? I think that's as good a guess as any, really. Okay, so what's the, what's the title? The official title of Season 1, Episode 13 is... The Bat Jar Conjecture! Oh, Son of a bitch! <laughs> every time! God. Every time! It's always so much fucking dumber than you think it's gonna be! How do they do that? How do they do that? It was in the show for, like, five seconds! It's not even... They don't even make a joke about it. It's just no, an it's object just, that exists. Oh, look, here's a, I got you a Batman cookie jar. So when they kick Sheldon off the team, they their way of like trying to keep him from completely exploding the, in a the, hysterical the and, down easy. and vengeful fit is to get him what is a fairly nice Batman cookie jar. Yeah, it's actually pretty sick. But, yeah, but that's it comes and goes. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't have any sort of like B or C plot throughout the episode. No. It's not used as a plot device. It you know what was funny about that? What was that? It's that when they kick him off, he's obviously supposed to be like, oh, well now I'm going to destroy you guys. But he keeps the, he keeps the Batman cookie jar. I was like, all he had to do to show he was serious is be like, hey, Leonard, like if you wanted to make the power move, you would hold it up and you'd just drop it and it would shatter into a thousand pieces and you'd be like, that's what I'm going to do to you now. And they'd know that they were in fucking trouble. He doesn't have like a playful or feeling side to him. Well, that's, that's what pisses. He'd he'd be losing out on a pretty sweet cookie jar. Well, that's what pisses me off about this whole episode is Sheldon pretends that he is the super, if not rational, then pragmatic person. There's a moment early on. So the whole reason they don't want him on the team is because he insists on answering every question that he knows the answer to, which is apparently most of them Mm -hmm. or all of them. And so even though other people are buzzing in, this is in the practice round, they're buzzing in because they know the answer. He says, no, I definitely know the answer. So he takes the answer. And so they're like, you know, you can't answer all of the questions that you know. You've got to let some of us answer some of the questions that we know, too. And he's like, why? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And his reasoning is fine. He's like, I'm sorry. Is the goal to make everybody feel good or is the goal to win? And he, sound, sound reasoning. He's like complete combat pragmatist Sheldon. He's like, this is war. We're going to crush our enemies, and therefore I'm going to answer all of the questions. And if I can do this whole thing by myself, will you just stand there? I will, because then we'll still win. Mm-hmm. And if that's a viable strategy, you should go with that. And so the whole time he was saying that, I was like, yeah, it's kind of a jerk thing. But he's totally right. If they really what they care about is winning as opposed to having a good time, then they should listen to him. Yeah. So here's what pisses me off. The end of the episode, the reason Sheldon loses is because he comes to a question he doesn't know. Turns out the guy next to him, in what was a clever, I guess, little MacGuffin, is actually an ex-Russian physicist who does know the answer to the question he answers it correctly but sheldon won't accept the answer as the their official answer because that would mean that someone else knew the answer to a question that he didn't know the answer to and therefore he lets them lose he loses rather than take the win the Mm -hmm. easy win he loses on a point of symbolism he forfeits i think it's more makes no sense no no because again like Something that we, we lost over a little bit is, is the, t- the team he puts together. He comes in, and so their their team are the AAs, with the army ants, because there's this whole dumb joke about how everyone is like too like focused or naive to not understand the dual meanings of these acronyms. So Sheldon's like, ah, oh, there's no stronger animal than the army ant. We should be those. We'll be AA. And then Leonard's like, oh, I think that means something else. And then they want to be the uh, the perpetual motion squad, and so they're all PMS, and so it's AA versus PMS. Which, if you're gonna have acronyms battle off, they should be related somehow. But anyway, so for so Sheldon comes in, and he's like, I don't even need a team. I'm gonna answer everything. And by the way, I got one of the university's janitors, and was it another lunch lady? I the, think. the lunch lady, and either because uh, the lunch lady apparently only speaks Spanish. Uh, that either the lunch lady's son or butcher, he could not understand what she was what saying. What do you want to bet that those words sound nothing alike in Spanish? Man, I feel like, I feel like son is heel. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what butcher would be, though. I just, what, I'm going to look it up. Let's, carnicero, which makes sense. Carne is Yeah, no, I thought carn was going to be in there somewhere. Which, so, it's like, <laughs> so, 
I couldn't tell of these two words that sound nothing alike well, which so, one she was saying so that I could look it up. So carnicero, I don't know what I don't actually know what the cero part of that means. Let's say it's something roughly like meat handler. Maybe she definitely said butcher, and he thought, hmm, meat handler. That sounds like what a human boy would do. <laughs> That's, I mean, I guess. <laughs> so, so you, you have So let me, let's cut to this scene. They, it was presumably filmed and they cut it out of the episode. So who is, who is this again that you brought? Uh, oh, oh, me, Carnicero. Oh, yes, yes, I know, I know. Yes, all yeah, the me young also boys. also Carnicero. <laughs> oh, I, please, I don't need to know about your son's masturbation habit, but. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh. She, he thinks that the mom was just doing a crude joke, like, oh, you know, the old Carnicero over here. Ugh. Wish I, he didn't have to live at home. Anyway. What the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> right, so th- those are the three teammates he has. But yeah, it turns out that the janitor is actually a, uh, an ex-Russian physicist who could only get a job as a janitor when he came to the U.S. He knows the final question, which is worth the most points. I, I think that it does make sense that Sheldon would not allow the the uh, the professor slash janitor to take the win because he's sheldon isn't a part of the team sheldon is the team for anyone else to answer the question would be invalid they are just fodder they are seat fillers if if they were to answer he still would not have won i but that just means that he doesn't care about winning the way he i mean Here's what I thought Sheldon was saying when he was saying the only thing that mattered. I thought Sheldon basically was saying, if we're in the middle of a trivia contest and I pull out a gun and shoot the other team, yes, then I get to take home the trophy. Yeah, I think that would work. But like, and so consequently, if it turned out that one of these these po- these pawns is actually secretly, I mean, how much that would have been an even better joke if if Sheldon had been like, aha, you thought. That I didn't understand teamwork, but actually I seated my team with a crack, you know, sleeper. You know, he's like the what do you call it when the when you're hustling someone and you uh, you bring he's a ringer. There we go. He's like yeah, it's like maybe maybe the lunch lady was actually also like secretly a master roboticist the no. whole time. No 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 no, it doesn't doesn't play out because then again those are people that are stealing away his fame and knowledge. Like. Yeah, he, he can't have those other smarter people with and him. And that's what I'm saying. Is that the end, that's why it's so disappointing, because at the end, all Sheldon is is a dude who cares about being the smartest guy in the room more than he cares about winning. Yeah, well, no, equally. He couldn't have both. He couldn't be both the smartest person in the room and win. Sheldon is having a really bad, like, Air Bud style, like, the dog can play basketball now sort of thing, only yeah. for, despite the fact that... In Arabut, it's cool that the dog can play basketball. They're like, yes, but this would be like the coach going, you know what? I don't care if our dog is actually secretly a basketball prodigy. Dogs can't play basketball. What? <laughs> what? Sheldon. Sheldon is what? like, if, if the baseball coach in the rookie, in the movie Rookie of the Year were like, yes, I understand that you've brought me a 12-year-old pitcher. You didn't, you didn't lose me because of the Airbud metaphor. I just didn't know what the fuck you were talking about by the end of it. Trust me, I, I know I know that there's no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. So right? if it turns out that your dog is great at basketball, you're like, how did I get so lucky to get a da- basketball-playing dog? Well, you so don't go... You don't go, no, it only counts if the humans win the basketball game. You do that if you're a completely egocentric asshole who cares about nothing than proving that you're better than other people. You'd be like, oh, my dog's better at basketball, huh? That's time he takes a little visit to the farm. I think he's got to go upstate so he can chase rabbits forever so no one can ever know. 
And then you he, he'll fucking, you bring him out to the farm to shoot him. He drops some ancient wisdom on you because apparently he could speak universal languages that have been storing within him the whole time. He teaches you all the secrets of the universe that would unlock everything that you need to know to create infinite resources and, and peace on earth and to invite other life forms into into our, our small understanding of what the world really is, and you'd fucking keep it inside, because you can never let anyone know that that dog was fucking smarter than you. That, oh, no, no, Mr. M- Mr. Mr. Pebbles, he doesn't get to one-up me in his last moment. That's that's who Sheldon is. This episode didn't make me, like, nearly as either sad or angry as a lot of episodes have. No. And I won't even say it was a bad episode. Like, I felt like it actually it it kept a decent pace, it wasn't one of those ones where it suddenly ended and I wondered what was supposed to have happened. But it, it disappointed me like in, in subtle ways that I'm gonna like it's gonna make me more cautious about future episodes. Leslie Winkle, for instance, was not used to her maximum capacity. And that sucks. I I shouted out delight the moment she was on screen, and there's no she doesn't do any fun sex stuff, she doesn't humiliate anybody. She has her, you know, normal, normal, dry, matter-of-fact charm. I couldn't even think, like, you know, this, we're, we're recording this right after some fun stuff happened with Roseanne losing her show reboot, who Sarah Gilbert, who plays Leslie Winkle, is also on. And I want to, like, draw parallels there, but I'm just too heartbroken. Wait, you want to draw parallels between an episode of The Big Bang Theory from season one and... The Roseanne reboot? Mm-hmm, How mm-hmm. would that even work? Well, because they both have the Sarah Gilbert. Uh, Sarah Gilbert came... Uh, well, Leslie Winkle was complaining about, I guess, Sheldon being like this horrible, misogynistic piece of shit. Yeah, that was the lead you buried. I thought we were going to come back to no, that. No, let's, let's jump to that. Because, like, yeah, like I said, the Roseanne... I was looking for a connection. It didn't get there. I was bummed out. Yeah, because I'll t- I'll that was the one... That was, that was the Leslie moment. Because it's used like a bit of a throwaway, and no one... Yep. Once again, yeah. no one, see, none of the male nerds seem at remotely shocked or disgusted. And you know when what it is? It's another one of those moments where someone in the writing room is like, I have to expose what we're doing here. <laughs> but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, let me say what happens. Because Leslie doesn't want it. She's like, I don't give a fuck about your physics bowl, which is real for her. And they're like, okay, well, we'll just have to, you know, we'll just compete against... Sheldon, are, well, she finds out it's Sheldon, and she's like, wait, I hate Sheldon. And we're like, why does Leslie hate Sheldon? Well, apparently, Sheldon told her that she couldn't be a scientist, and she was only good for, ba- what was it? I, I think it was baking and childbirth. Baking and childbirth. Yeah. Like, he, he, like, just straight up old school caveman misogynied her. Which doesn't add up, honestly, because Sheldon. No, don't be this guy. Don't be the... I know Sheldon Cooper. He's a good guy. He wouldn't say something like that to a woman. I'm going to be two guys. Because I am going to say Sheldon Cooper wouldn't say that. But Sheldon Cooper wouldn't say that because he knows that that is not some sort of, like, natural purpose that women are, like, biologically designed to, like, have as their only goal, that they serve no purpose. Like, he's, he's, not, he's not an MRA. And so... I feel like he would say something equally shitty to, to Leslie, but but not something like that doesn't have enough foundation. This is, you've you've already forgotten 
I can see you're you're just yourself selecting your memories here. You've already forgotten. Sheldon Cooper uh-huh. is the, this is the same man who said that women can't play video games to the same level as men because I don't remember what his explanation was. Whatever it was, it was also a fact. I stand my ground on this. <laughs> no. This is the weird stance that Nick Hyde takes against women. Video it's not games. weird. It, the show predicts something that happened in real life, which is the Google engineer guy, James DeMore, writing a whole email about he how... He predicts that? Yes! Sheldon Cooper! I mean, it's... I Basically, you're telling me you can't see Sheldon Cooper sending a memo out to, like, the entire, like, physics department saying, like, look, I know the rest of you are throwing Leslie a bone, but let's be real here. Especially Leonard. <laughs> let's be real here. It's just, like, women are just biologically self-selecting out of the STEM fields. They're all designed for, you know, if you look at the anthropological record and the, and the you know, the... The women in Sweden who would rather stay at home and all of that shit. I feel, I feel like I'm part of me is torn between two parents fighting, and unfortunately, I'm one of those parents. And you're because like part of me, part of me wants to acknowledge what you're saying here. All right, part of me wants to give in and recognize that Sheldon's done these douchey things. But believing in Sheldon as a character, no, like you know, I was gonna say if you presented to him evidence that would like. 100% discount his point of view that he would like shift it because he has to accept that evidence. But no, he's, he's too, he's too egotistic. Well, that's why I'm so mad. Like the Sheldon Cooper who believes that winning is more important than his ego. The Sheldon Cooper I saw for five seconds in this episode, who I thought really was going to, you know, give the entire, basically poison like Leonard's food in order to make sure that he unequivocally won the science ball. Mm-hmm. That Sheldon Cooper is for all of his many faults, Probably not a sexist, because he'd be like, God damn it, you know? You know, because the Sheldon Cooper that would let the Russian scientist answer the final question because he knows that he has the answer, that Sheldon is not capable of being sexist. There's no such Sheldon, though. Well, no, obviously there's not. Right, and as far as, like, letting your ego go, not trying to be the smartest person in the room, remember, not even Sheldon, but Sheldon's friends started an underage sex trafficking ring to appease Sheldon so he could feel like he was the smartest person in the room. That's who we're dealing with. Yes, no, I understand they're all terrible people. I'm just, I just kind of hoped, kind of hoped for a moment there that Sheldon was terrible in a way that was interesting. No, this didn't add anything to him. It's unfortunate, too, because I was, I was actually starting to think that we should just shift the focus of the show to, to be entirely about Sheldon's masterful manipulation of everyone around him, and that we we could see the ways that every different part of the universe was operating to his will. And the only way that that sticks through this episode is if we're willing to accept that this is an, that this episode is incomplete. That whatever happened here is setting up something horrible he's going to do later on. And I'm yeah. not giving the show that much credit. Yeah, or that he. Uh, yeah, it would require you to believe that he basically threw the match yeah. in order to give that, in order to teach them some valuable life lesson that mm-hmm. they're going to need down the road. But probably not. This, this show doesn't. I mean, there's even because at the beginning, the whole reason they get him into it is by making an ethical appeal that I was sure was going to that he immediately. Well, actually, that he doesn't immediately, but that he eventually betrays, which is that you know basically he's like, I don't want to do this. He doesn't want to do the stupid trivia bowl either. But they convince him. That the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or yeah. the one, you know, which is basically how nerds work. If you ever need a nerd to do anything, you just quote the the well, particular talk. ethical passage from like 
a Star Trek movie at them. And yeah, well, well let's talk about that because that's that's how the the episode opens. Is they're they're talking about this physics bowl. Sheldon wants no part of it yes. for something that I think is a very Sheldon reason. He says, "You really want me to trivialize my genius by applying it to this fun little game." And he asks, well, would you want Picasso to help you out in Pictionary? Which I think is dumb, because you could never figure out what the fuck that guy was drawing. It would be infuriating, and he'd get mad at you for not having an open enough mind about his work. Yeah, that was a good setup, because he tells, like, four, three of those. And I was like, I could see, this is one of those things where if they'd done, like, 15 of them, you could do it for so long that it became, like, a meta joke. It's just, like, yeah. Sheldon going, like, you know, would you ask, uh... No, I can't. Yeah, put yourself in a corner of this one, didn't you, buddy? Come on. Well, name another game and we'll work back. No, no, you can use that goof juice. <laughs> Would you ask uh, Milton uh, Milton Friedman or John Maynard Keynes to help you in a game of Monopoly? All right. Okay. Would you ask Buddha to help you in the game of life? Would you ask Justin Trudeau to help you in a game of sorry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, what we're what, what is getting to is. So yeah, he, he gives all these reasons why he he doesn't want his intellect trivialized. And then Leonard comes out with the, the Spock's dying words from, from Star Trek II, and uh, Sheldon joins. But that why does that work? Exactly! Oh, all right. <laughs> Glad we got through that. <laughs> uh, it turns out, turns out the Big Bang Theory relies on inconsistent characterization. In, well, that's the in, thing in the in the episode. That's the thing that sucks, and I don't want to give in to. Is I know that it's going to be inconsistent. It's been inconsistent before, but I felt like we were really grabbing onto something, and now I'm like tearing myself apart trying to keep this one person whole. Oh, it sucks. It's um, also early on in the show when they are telling uh, Penny about this uh, this physics bowl that they want to participate in. Raj says something to Penny. Can't remember what. Inconsequential. Well, I can remember. It's oh, not how dare you, inconsequential. They're talking about Zod. Oh, god damn it. Zod. What the? Kneel before Zod. That's... The greatest Kryptonian villain. The general. Arch enemy of Jor-El and the House of El. Zod. I'm so much more upset about that than I thought Husband of Ursa. I have no investment Comrade in of Nan. I haven't even seen Superman 2. All right? What? Yeah. What? What up now? No! Sorry. I saw bits of it when I was a kid. I've never just sat and watched it. How have you never seen Superman 2? You're not going to like it when I tell you I've also never seen The Empire Strikes Back. You know, it's things happen. Yeah, we're getting to that part of the show and our friendship. I, I, I saw Star Wars in its entirety for the first time in my life last year. Whoa! Okay, okay. For, fuck the show for a minute, okay? Let's just... Who are you? Who are you? Is Nick Hyde your real name? It's like all the stuff that I... Like. How, what? So wait, let me get this straight. You've seen every episode of, like, The X-Files or whatever. I've, I've, seen, I've seen, like, two-thirds of them. But you've never seen... Empire Strikes Back. It's like you don't need to. Like every, I know everything about it already through cultural osmosis. Like the only reason I'd want to sit and watch it is so I can understand how it all works in order. And I'm not. And like I'm not saying it's the. No, no you watch it because it's good. Because it's like the best, the but, second best Star Wars film, depending on how you feel about the Last Jedi. Now that's something. That's you're. 
You think The Last Jedi was... You don't even... You're courting fake controversy here to deflect from the fact that you've never seen Empire Strikes Back. No, because I can tell you that I saw all the prequels in order at their midnight releases before I watched any of the original trilogy. I'm better than you because I tried watching them in order. And then I fucked up and I skipped and I watched the new ones. Oh, this, this is so... It's all coming out. This is... I don't... I don't know you. This is like... You know what? This this is exactly how Penny is going to feel when she finds out that Leonard has been stealing her mail all this time. You know, I I can't tell you any details about uh, Han being frozen in carbonite. Did you just lure me here to keep my head in a fridge? Is that where all of this has been heading this whole but time? But if, if you want to get into pod racing and talk about Sebulba, you know, I've got first-hand knowledge there. <laughs> I played a lot of the Jedi power battles. Also, those old Star Wars games on the Super Nintendo, too hard. Maybe that was why. I was like, ah, these games suck. I'm not going to watch these movies. No, it's like, it's, it's not like I don't want to see them. Like, it, there are so many good things. There are bajillions of good things on Earth that I'm never going to get to before I die. And Star Wars, like, I already oh, know everything about. No, I mean, it's my mission in life. I'm, I'm, we're watching Empire Strikes Back. It doesn't have to be tonight. Actually, it doesn't, we can't watch it on a fucking television screen. You watch Empire Strikes Back for the first time in theaters. So when it gets released, inevitably, when they do, like, the 25th anniversary re-release of The Empire Strikes Back, if I have to kidnap your ass and cross state lines and get the FBI chasing me, I will do it. Because I don't—who I don't, are you? How, how do I know? This is— I, 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 I can't imagine saying something to you that would shock you as much about me. But here's the other thing. Like, I haven't watched the original trilogy, and I still know a little bit about Bosk or Bosk and IG-88, because it's everywhere. Because I'm friends with a bunch of nerds. Like, it's, it's not the same thing. I know it's not the same, but it's just like, it's, like, it's yes, just already there in my You know what brain. it's like? It's, I had never, up until recently, I would never seen Blade Runner. And yeah. I knew all the lines from Blade Runner. I knew all about, you know, like the the gates and the all gone, like whatever in the rain or the lady that fucks a mechanical snake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all, all of that, I was like, familiar, but it's not the same experience as watching well, it. No, it's not. But I don't know. There's good things I've seen that you haven't Name something. One second here. I'm sure I can do this. I'm drawing a complete blank. That's what I fucking thought. I'll throw out a random one. I don't know. Tetsuo the Iron Man. There. No, of course I've seen Tetsuo the Iron Man. Right. That's what the scene in Black... Did you know Black Swan? The scenes where she's pulling the little feathers out of her skin is based on Tetsuo the Iron Man? Didn't think about that. Darren Aronofsky is apparently a pretty big anime head. And, like, Asian culture. Anyway, okay, I haven't seen Tetsuo the Iron Man. I'm lying. I just know about it. Did you really not... Yeah, you piece of shit. All right, moving on. What did Raj say? Oh, yeah. I don't... Does it even... Who cares? Who cares? I'm sorry that our entire friendship is a lie. I mean, Superman 2 is not even on the list of things to worry about. I have, like, I have different knowledge bases. Like, I played Turok 64 on the Nintendo 64 exactly one time, but I memorized, like, all the gaming magazines I had, so I can still tell you the God Code. Those are things that get stuck in my brain when I'm not watching Star Wars. Yeah. By the way, NTHDTHDCRTDTRK. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's, if, we, if you knew all of the same stuff as me, then what would be the point? Um, hey, you know, maybe, maybe this is where we're going now. What, what is the difference just between having all of the knowledge that a thing uh, would, would bestow upon you versus actually c consuming it all as its one whole? Well, no, here's, here's just to bring it back around to the episode. 
It's like, it's as we find out with Sheldon thinks that it's that you can encompass all knowledge within yourself. It's actually good to surround yourself with diverse people who can occasionally provide answers you don't have, even if it's very rarely. Even if you are like the one mostly useless janitor whose primary, you know, ambitions in life have all been crushed by, you know, the collapse of the Berlin Wall. And now you find yourself in America sweeping floors, even if that's a metaphor for your life. I suppose I should still keep you around, because every now and then, when things get weird, you're going to pull some random prodigious piece of knowledge out of your ass that will come in handy. I hope that's what I end up pulling out of my ass, yeah. That'd be good. What did Raj say? I'm not willing to let this go. Yeah, so they're talking about Zod, um, and... <laughs> and the show doesn't want to spend a lot of time on it, so Leonard's just like, oh, Kryptonian supervillain. It's a long story. <laughs> well, there was no reason to bring it up. And it's Raj, a stupid offhand reference that they then have to explain Not the, the weirdest offhand reference. Unlike this guy who knew and hasn't seen. Yeah, but anyway, so it's like, long story, and Raj is like, great story. And then he realizes he said that in front of Penny, and he freaks out and covers his own mouth. Like, mm-hmm. he had, he, like I don't know, like he told her to go fuck herself or something. Oh, no, I don't think it's like that. I think it's like, he he did it. He spoke to a woman without even realizing it. And instead of it being like some incredible triumph or something he didn't realize he could do, he stops himself, which I think means he is aware and purposefully not talking to women. Well, yeah, that's what I I mean. Yeah, he acts like he's done something shameful or been caught out at something. So, so yeah, it was definitely a weird moment because it's like, why is that your reaction? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, cause like, what would a similar thing be? That'd be like, if I, I can't swim, that's another thing you can know about me now. Oh, who cares? And if I were in the water and struggling and suddenly realized that instinctually I could swim, I would go whoops. And then like fold my body together and sink to the bottom. Like no one can know. Like that's, that's what that would be like. And so like, Raj was like, I can finally speak to the, whoa, shit. Like what, what weird vow did he take? that this would be his thing to never speak to, to women. Like, is this how firmly against he is arranged marriage? You or? know, the only thing I can think of is that it's like in, it's like in the prestige. Where Don't you mean the prestige? You have to say it like that. Like what? The prestige. Yeah. But anyway, that guy's whole magic act is, I mean, that's not, this is not the, here's the example I was thinking of, which is, it's just a lot more, uh, it's like in the movies where the guy's in the wheelchair and you find out he can walk and his alibi for how he couldn't have committed the murder was because he was in a wheelchair, but he could walk the whole time. And so the second it's revealed that he can walk, it's like, well, of course it was you then. So all I can think now is that Raj is planning on murdering someone and his only alibi is going to be like, well, I couldn't have done it because everybody knows that I don't talk to attractive women. Except for his three best pals in Penny, who now are all liabilities in his plan. So that's what I'm going to look out for now, is now ways that, that Raj tries to undermine his friends and potentially plot their murders so that there's no one that can testify against him later when the, the, the only element that would prove that he killed somebody is, is his ability to speak to women. Which, that'd be fun too, it's like... Because how would that come into the murder? It'd be like, before you murdered Miss So-and-so, you said, come here, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, we know. Witnesses overheard someone say to the victim, no one saw, but, you know, the person in the in the apartment next door heard someone yelling with a distinct Indian accent. So you're the obvious prime suspect. He's like, ah, that's what you think. Little do you know, my one eccentric quirk. Yeah, yeah. 
I feel like any attempts to talk about the episode itself at this point are done because I betrayed you without even knowing it. It's okay. And it's so, okay. I know I, I overreacted. No, it's fair. It's fair. That's you know you you have you make certain assumptions about people that aren't unreasonable, and then when they're defied, it it can be shocking. So it's down to the the mostly ineffective segment at the end of each episode where we talk about the one big takeaway that we're gonna carry through with the to the rest of the series. Well, I have one weird thing that we that I mean. But it is, I think it's always Raj, so maybe this is my big, because I think it, last time it was him too, but I could be wrong about this, which is he randomly inserts pop culture from, like, other shows into the conversations in ways that are total non-sequiturs as opposed to the normal non-sequiturs. I can't remember if he was the Fiddler on the Roof guy or not. No, it wasn't him, because he was the one who was freaking out, but it's like when they were talking about how in India everyone likes Doogie Howser. Mm-hmm. In this episode... It's randomly, hey, that show Blossom. We should get the girl from Blossom. Yeah. That's some bizarre foreshadowing. Is it? Yeah. Is it foreshadowing? What, what else would you call it? Well, for, I mean, the girl from Blossom has to show up, I thought, for it to be foreshadowing. She does. She's a character later on, Mayim Bialik. Oh. She, com- she comes into the show. Like, so, that's, they're ref- they're, so, yeah, they're, there's a part in the episode where they say that a good fourth team member would be the girl from Blossom because apparently she went on to be a so, neuroscientist. Yeah, and that would be helpful. And, and that's, no, like, no, later on in the series, she does come in as a character. As not, a not as Mayim Bialik, but yeah, as the actress. Okay, so I that's, this is part of why I was screaming. So I have never seen nor heard of Blossom, so I didn't know. But Yeah, no, I feel like the few years between us are just enough to not... To not overlap on our knowledge of So what you're things. saying is that was a weird, like, for she, nah, that's interesting. So yeah. I stumbled across something. Like, maybe a throwaway line that, like, one person just wasn't willing to let go. Is that your thing, then? I guess. All right. This, I really didn't like this episode. I mean, I didn't hate it. I just was really bored oh, by like, this episode. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, it reminded me, like, oh, yeah, the Big Bang Theory is generally not that good. We can agree to disagree on that one, because I, I did not love or hate this episode. This was... Sheldon hates women. That's, I guess, we'll leave it there. Yeah, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna say something about how also in the beginning of the episode when when the nerds are all talking about this other team they would have faced off against who went to join the barbershop quartet. Penny points out like, oh, so you mean in your world you're like the cool guys? And I thought that was interesting, but you know, fuck that. You bring up uh, uh, Leslie calling out Sheldon on being a big misogynist. I can't let that go because uh, either. It is correct that, and you know, whether or not it's correct, that's how Leslie feels. She, she, Sheldon said those things to her. It must be, it must be true. Unless he was being some sort of weird manipulative dick, which is completely feasible. But just, I still need to square who he is. Is, is he really hyper-rational? I I think we recognize that he is unrationally attached to his own uh, wobbly sense of what it is to have an ego. He has to always be better than everyone else, even though he has this desire to... Well, you know, I guess at the end of the day, though, like, what, what is it really to be rational? You still have to have, like, a framework within to... No, to be rational is to... you. The objective that you pick is always... is Can be irrational, meaning, you, you know, your morality or your internal compass is not set by any sort of logical system. But to be rational means that once you've decided on a goal... You pursue that goal by the most ruthlessly efficient means 
possible. Maybe that's the thing then. Is like when he's articulating that I thought we were going to win, and so I was just doing the thing that that was him being rational, and then at the end of the episode he reveals himself to be irrational. What if we just don't know what his big goal is, and so what we see as irrationality is just us again not understanding what Sheldon's That's, all about. But now you're just doing theodicy at that point, is you're just being like, well, if you if you presume uh, that theodicy, that's definitely a word I know. <laughs> That's when you, that's, so theodicy is when people try to prove that, you know, even though everything looks really shitty and, and all of our, all of our religious texts make him seem kind of iffy, that God is still all knowing, all powerful and all good. Yeah. Um, so basically theodicy is just, you try to square, justifying. yeah, you try to square like sharp, starving children dying of malaria with like yeah. just and all love and all powerful God. In a way, isn't that exactly what we're doing? We're trying to justify why it is that people love this show and think it's the greatest thing, even though we can see how awful it is. Oh God. It is. Big Bang Theory is our God. <laughs> we, we have succumbed to it. It's, 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 uh, it's overwhelming power and just doing the best to, to bend our own minds within its structure. That is the darkest possible thing you could have said, and yet it, it rings with some, with some dreadful truth.